0: It's like it's like waves and seasons.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, uh, welcome everyone to another episode of Bible and Banter. Uh, I am jo- I'm Eric Reynolds, joined by Mike, Alex, and uh, Mike. I I almost like legitimately blanked on your name, and I don't know why. But uh, <laughs> that happens to me all the time. And like, I'll blank on someone's name, and it's totally not a, like I feel really guilty. 'Cause I then I think like, wait, do they think now I don't know their name? Um, but anyway, it just happened in real time. So um yeah, sorry about that, Mike. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, <laughs> but we were just we we're just chatting and ended up starting late because we had so much to talk about. So we we're talking about all kinds of stuff, talking about video games and violence and
0: parenting uh, and
1: parenting, um all all kinds of good stuff. Some stuff we're gonna talk about here in the next few minutes. Um We've got a couple of topics that we're going to be talking about. One is the um, why we trust the Bible or why we believe the Bible, and then the other one being um, why, uh, why, if we are covered, covered by the blood of Christ, does Paul, uh, he says it actually a couple of times, say, Hey, beware. Uh, you're going to stand before the judgment seat or the beam of seat of God. So we're going to unpack some of that for you as Mike and I realized. In fact, Mike realized this morning when I texted him asking him what we're going to talk about. He's like, hey, we haven't we haven't done Bible topics in a while. Let's let's get back to the Jesus stuff. And I'm always about the Jesus stuff. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So. So, Mike, you are sharing. Uh, you finished Boba Fett. We did.
0: Yeah, I, definitely. I agree with you. Started out rough, but mm-hmm. ended awesome.
1: Yeah, it ended. Uh, yeah, it got better once they moved away from boba. <laughs>
0: yeah, I do like how they brought it all together, though. Mm-hmm. I do like. I do appreciate that. But yeah, no, I just love the Mandalorian. I just love. I just love them. What? How did you feel about uh, about uh, Grogu's decision? choice do you think he made the Um, right decision
1: no i don't i I don't think he made the right i don't think i don't think he did either yeah and here's 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 why right so one you don't know if there are any more of whatever race he and yoda were right Mm -hmm. um and two their race has an unusually high level of force powers and like they're they're stronger than most other if not all other beings they can also live an incredibly long time, like like bible times long time, right like we're talking uh so you know they're living for, i forget how old uh Yoda was when he died, but it was well over i think it was over five hundred years old so here you have the opportunity to really be one who establishes a long Uh, line of in the Jedi order Mm -hmm. and you gave that up because some dude with a cool helmet came by and, and like gave you, yeah. And, and like, that's cool, but let's just assume Grogu lives to be 500 years old. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which is realistic in there. So he was with Mando for let's generously, it would be a year. Mm -hmm. So, That so one divided by 500 because that's how you do percentages, right? So that would be 0.002 percent of his life. Mm
0: -hmm. He
1: was with Mando and he goes and spends this time with him.
0: And if I'm correct, he was about 50 years old when he meets Mando, right?
1: Right, Right. so he's you know, he's (laughs) middle aged in in our years, so right, exactly. um, It's just, it's confounding to me. I'm interested to see how this happens. Maybe this is what I hope happens, Mike. This is what I hope happens. That he goes back uh, and tries to save like Luke Skywalker. Maybe he's like the person who saves Luke while Kylo Ren is trying to kill him. Yeah. And they're like, if that's what happens. Okay, awesome. That's a really neat thing. And then maybe he becomes a Jedi from there. I don't know, but, um, but even then the way he ages, I mean, to, to be like what would look like a teenager,
0: Mm -hmm. it'd have
1: to be like another hundred years at least.
0: Yeah. No, there's a, there's a lot they could go with on this. They could milk this for a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So anyway, disappointed in Grogu's choice, not, not a fan, but what do I know? He's 50. So he's, he's <laughs> got more wisdom than you, yeah. even though he
0: looks like a child. It's like yeah. Benjamin Button.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So, well, Mike, I'm really glad that you and Erica watched uh, watched Boba Fett. I'm sorry it wasn't as good as Mando, but nothing I can do.
0: Hey, I'm assuming they're going to do a season three of Mando. Yeah. Of the oh, for the, sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I'm looking forward to the Ahsoka uh, the mm. Ahsoka Tano one. So you don't fully understand Ahsoka because you've not seen um, Clone Wars and Rebels. But once you do, Ahsoka is going to mean so much more to you. Mm. Um,
0: I, we have seen parts of the beginning of it because I know she hangs out a lot with, uh, with um,
1: Anakin. Anakin. Yeah, she's Anakin. Anakin's Padawan. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so it's important. Uh, she's very important,
0: and I love Rosario Dawson, by the way. <laughs> I just love her, the actress that plays Ahsoka.
1: I I know she's in some movies, especially like in between 2000 and 2010, but I can't remember what movies.
0: Oh, really? Um, yeah. she, she was. Did you ever watch the Netflix Marvel shows like Luke Cage? And,
1: and uh, I watched things. like the first season of Luke Cage, and I, it was cool for like a season, but I wasn't really into it.
0: It was, I think, the weakest of the ones that they made on Netflix. But she's in that um, uh, across the the Netflix ones because she's like a nurse and helps them and everything. But uh, that's when I really uh, started to appreciate her in those movies. But I'm just a Rosario Dawson fan.
1: Okay cool <laughs> uh so what else were we what else what else did we say that we we're going to talk about before we get into our topic
0: uh how things are going with your church post announcement oh that yeah
1: yeah so well for for anyone who who watches our show if you've been uh praying for us in our church i greatly appreciate it if you didn't know we uh resigned effective 31 march back in back in january um we've sensed a call um to move back to where we're from and plant a church so that's what we're going to be working towards we're we're pretty excited um and it caused me to make some shifts as far as education too like i moved from a phd to a doctorate of ministry um and to to focus on church planting rather than systematic theology um but the the church like at first for the majority of people i like they were they were hurt man like the, like this church loves me and I love our church. Like there's no negative stuff going on in our church. And that's um, there's no friction. There's no, like there are no issues and that's rare for most churches. And most pastors leave uh, usually amid some kind of turmoil. So I'm thankful. That's not the case. Uh, I'm grateful. Um, but many were just like caught by surprised and uh, caught by surprise. And, you know, just, man, we, we, we really don't want you to go. Uh, but, um, they also recognize the importance of what we're doing. Um, we've got family back home and and some people that are getting, getting old and need of help and, and that kind of stuff. And we just want to be there for, for them. So a lot of people, especially <clears throat> our congregation who've, this is not a transient place to live. Like most people live here their whole lives. Um, they get it, you know, they understand. So that's been really good, man. Um, so continue to pray for our church, pray for our family and uh we are we're getting the short rows as they say around here. We're we're getting we only got 5 Sundays left and then um and we're moving like getting stuff packed away and and all that. So yeah. Bless you.
0: Thank you. Which, by the way, if any of your church people are watching, they do sell relatively cheap, I think, on Amazon or other websites, those car boots that you can put around wheels so that they can't drive and move. Um, so just a, just an FYI.
1: <laughs> uh, those sound kind of expensive. I, I know they love us. I don't know if they love us that much. So. Um. So, yeah so that's going well and then i also got some big news i just accepted a position um at uh at lancaster bible college and capitol seminary so um it's a temporary job it's a part-time temp job where i'll essentially be um creating online courses for them. it's called an instructional design position so um essentially they're moving Uh, they're moving one of their degree programs. I don't know if I'm allowed to like share the ins and outs of it yet, Mm -hmm. but uh, essentially they're moving a degree program online. And what my role is, is to work with the professors um, uh, based on each project and help them design their courses for online learning and then hand it off to the people to put it online. So uh, I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Mm So
0: and those car boots can be found on Amazon for a hundred bucks or less. Wow. I actually found that a two pack. That seems two-pack. dangerous. I found a two-pack for ninety-five ninety-six bucks.
1: That sounds dangerous. Like you, like I if I was a, if I was a kid, I might have like bought a couple of those and just put them on random people's car. Cars. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like just to it's... mess with people. That would be awful. Yeah. That would be terrible. Yeah. yeah man
0: (laughs) well that's cool congrats man that's awesome
1: yeah thank you thank you yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty excited because i think it'll give me like some tools to learn because you know i've designed uh i've helped design a couple of courses for for mti and this will be you know now mti is kind of like a like i would say you're designing it for a bible college level or like just below bible college level um and then this is like at the master's level so this is like, to me, I'm like, oh man, this is the big time, you know, like this is, this is, this is pretty serious. Um, But for me, it just like, will give me some experience and some tools to, to be better at, at things I enjoy doing. So
0: absolutely. It'll help you flex. Okay. Got it.
1: What am I flexing? How am I flexing? <laughs> just... Oh, yeah. so, so Sunday, man, I lost it because like, so what was that? I want to, play. what, what was it that I said? you that, used a uh, word
0: that, <laughs>
1: that that people should know. Your... First off, if you don't know what interlocutor means, uh pick up a dictionary, okay? Like pick up a dictionary. It isn't that hard. I'm not I'm not as smart as people <laughs> think I am. Um <laughs> interlocutor maybe it's just... or
0: whatever. It's I, like I, someone think... that like tries to come in and mess with you.
1: Basically. Yeah, in an general. interlocutor. Yeah, man. Yeah. So read a book and you I said you'll not reach your potential if you insulate yourself uh from those who might disagree with you. Interlocutors make you a better thinker and practitioner. So Josh Cheney, uh avid uh, viewer of this show and commenter says, "Are you really going to make me look up interlocutor on a Sunday morning in this economy?" <laughs> <laughs> and then Mike Alex like moments later this is eric's favorite way to flex and then like <laughs> <laughs> and then i said and i was being like genuine like m- is it really a flex if i don't m- if i don't mean or realize it to be and then josh cheney says is it a flex to say that you don't realize it's a flex <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: this is now so- going to be my running joke for you whenever you say something intelligent or on, uh, because I did this to you a, a week before that too, with something you posted. Because you referenced like ink blot stuff, that like Joe Rogan being like a Rorschach inkblot.
1: test. A Rorschach, and I had no idea
0: what that what it was actually called, the actual scientific call.
1: Mike, how are you? How are you? Read books, man. Read art. Mike, how do you not know what a Rorschach test is? Or if you had said inkblot
0: blot test, I would. I I knew what an interlocutor. Or locutor, or however you pronounce it is. I knew. I don't know how I knew to that term, it. but the Rorschach test. I didn't realize that's what it was called. But if you had said for us stupid people, Joe Rogan is the ink blot test for our generation, I would have understood that entirely.
1: Well, I... oh <laughs> man. Well, st- wait, hold on. It's interlocutor.
0: Interlocutor. Okay.
1: Yep, I just looked it up on dictionary.com. So, dude, like I don't know what to do, man. I don't I don't know what to tell you <laughs> folks. Like, I don't feel like a, like I don't feel like I'm using a ten dollar word. I just feel like, like I know it's not I I know it's not a basic word. Um Mark man, another, rightly points out another, that Rorschach another was a reference. major character. So The Watchman was a I liked that movie. I know a lot of people hated it. But it was also, it was a, or maybe still is a comic book. I never read the comic books. I only watched the movies.
0: I think it would Um, be more precise to call it a graphic novel.
1: Okay, nerd. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know, man. Like, I feel like those are two words that I don't, you're, you're a grown man. You should know what it is.
0: I do now. Thank you for teaching me.
1: Thank you. And Meredith says she's with me. Everyone has heard of Rorschach. Uh, that was Mike's flex. <laughs> well,
0: that's how I flex. I point out other people flexing.
1: <laughs> no, I think she's referring to your flex as being referring to the the oh. books, graphic novels. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, man. Um, so one thing I look forward to, Mike, is is I hope that when we move up to Massachusetts, I'll see you more. Uh, I'll see you more than I obviously do now. In person, at least. So,
0: yeah. Horse,
1: shack. horse shack. Was, see, I didn't watch Welcome Back, caught, caught it, uh, Mark. <laughs> That's a little bit before our time. So.
0: <laughs> I I had another horse reference, but I kept it to my, my my. That sounds like horse, Rorschach, but I kept it to myself.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, man. I ain't trying to. Fl- I'm not really trying to flex, <laughs> but I have been told that sometimes I. I phrase things, um, on Facebook and, and and people's eyes just gloss over. And, and I'm like, okay, maybe I need to figure out a way to phrase things differently.
0: Listen, just take it from, take it from NASB down to NIV 1984,
1: 1985. Okay. Uh, are you sure that you don't need it? Like in the message version. (laughs)
0: How about the passion translation? Uh
1: no, we're not going full heresy. All right. Okay, so, good. <laughs> um the uh, thoughts and prayers for those who use the passion translation are, are, yes. are powerful.
0: And and we we undeniably say stop it. <laughs> yeah. Do not use that translation.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I can see there's value in the message, although I, I uh it it makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, but the Passion Translations just outread heresy. Like they add things and all that. So,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, anything else, Mike, before we get into it? Because I feel like there was a, 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 a myriad of topics that we were discussing before we came on the show. We're like, oh, we should do this I, for the show. I
0: just had a couple parenting questions, which I don't think necessarily, like, just like, when did you do this and type of thing. Uh, oh, yeah. But I don't think that. Not necessarily. Um... Yeah. Yeah.
1: You don't want to talk about video games and let your kids play video games. <laughs> uh I mean, I was playing, I was probably playing GTA at like 11 years old. So fair. Not, well, no, I'm not there letting be- my kids play, yeah. play GTA. That's no. for sure. Yeah. No,
0: no. No. Uh, no, I just, when I was down your way and met your children uh, at the church when you were kindly bringing Glenn and, or, uh, not Glenn. Well, you met Glenn. Glenn has a mat down there, but myself and, um, the other Berkshire board member, Arthur, when you met with us and I met your children, I was just very impressed with your children. And so I just Thank want you. to be a dad, a dad like
1: you. Thank you. Well, um, you know, I'll they're probably good, feel they're later good kids. If you'd like, I can ship them off to you for a while. Uh, <laughs> I'm just you don't
0: you don't want me to undo all the hard work you've done,
1: all the hard work my wife has done (laughs) through through habitual beatings and
0: uh, habitual beatings. Can you say that like Uh,
1: I'm a grown man with a tattoo? I'll say what I want. (laughs) Um, We're in the south, man. You can beat your kids like it's it's no thing. It's no thing, but. Uh, we don't beat our children. We do not beat them. No, I,
0: I I know. Well, I know uh, that. I don't know if they know that, but I know that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anything interesting happened in your life, Mikey?
0: No, uh, we've had a, actually some mild weather, which has been nice. I can already feel it in my mood. When the sun is out, I feel much better.
1: You seem more chipper today.
0: Yeah. Well, the sun's not out today, but I'm looking forward to a, a 50 degree day tomorrow. So there's hope. So, but then we're also going to get five to eight inches of snow on Friday.
1: Forget that. Man, I am not looking forward to that. It's 70 degrees here. It's it's beautiful. It's great cigar weather. Mm. Yeah.
0: 70 degrees is a lot of great weather. That's just good weather. Like, yeah. it's, I, I'm a little jealous.
1: It's okay. I uh yeah, I said that to make you jealous, so may have may have mine it fulfilled my intended purpose.
0: <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I could help you.
1: Um Yeah, man, so so you wanna get into our topics? Sure. Okay. So um so, which one do you want to handle first? Which one is more pressing for you? Because I have one that I prefer to talk about, but I, but you're the one who brought the topics up, so uh, I, I'm happy. Well, to, let's let's you.
0: do let's end with the one you prefer, okay? That way, because I I I'm willing to bet that the one you prefer will take more time because you want to talk about it. So let's save that for for the end, and it'll be good. We'll we'll end strong with uh, with your chatter. Um, so what's the one that you
1: don't, <laughs> <laughs> Mike, how about this? How about this? <laughs> Which topic do you think I prefer? This is a Rorschach test. Of uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the time that, uh, <laughs> that I, at one time, uh, oh, Jim Brooks with a great question. Eric, are you going to continue the podcast when you move? That is the plan, Jim. That is the plan. So uh, you and your homies down there in the in your basement bar, you can uh, put us up on the big screen and we still plan on doing it, man. Um, for as long as the Lord lets us do it and people are willing to listen. Um, obviously, Hey, if we might have to change the schedule, if we, if I have to, um, like I said, that, that job that I'm doing, I really didn't need to get a job, but I chose to because I wanted to do something that was fun. Um, that I liked doing, uh, but having a job, you necessarily have to, yeah, it's not, there's not set hours for it just yet. So I'll find out more, but who knows um, what your
0: life is going to look like as you're settling in and, and making plans and everything. So. So the, yeah. so basically what you're saying is the plan is to continue it. It's just we might need to tweak time slots or.
1: And we such. might, but I'm not convinced that we would. So yep. we'll see. That's fair. Um, so, yeah, when I was uh, probably like 19 years old, man, I loved using the word euphemism. The problem with that is that I didn't know the definition of euphemism. I thought I did. <laughs> So, like, the worst part is, like, it's not that you don't know a word. It's that you think you know a word, but you really don't. So, oh, I've been there.
0: Uh, like Netflix and chill, right?
1: <laughs> so, so I thought euphemism meant understatement. All right? So, I thought euphemism meant understatement. So, I'd be like, so someone would say something. I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a euphemism. And, like, people just, like, look at me and go. Oh yeah, okay. And but like I'm thinking like, oh, I just used a really intelligent word. No, I was an idiot. <laughs> you know, like so I just and I and I did this for probably a year. Like it was a year before I realized that euphemism didn't mean what I thought it meant. Mm. So, um yeah, yeah. So Anyway, I'm
0: I'm laughing not at you, but honestly with you, because I think I've done that many, <laughs> many times. I can't. I, I, Erica could probably has probably lost count of the number of times that I either mispronounced a word or made up a word or I definitely have misused a word.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So, oh, absolutely.
1: So, um, so I was really glad to find out that I use Rorschach and interlocutor correctly. Cause I would have like now I know that I knew what interlocutor meant because it's actually a common term in many commentaries that I read on certain things. So they'll refer to yeah. Jesus's interlocutors.
0: The only so. play, the only problem is it won't fit into Wordle.
1: Yeah. I quit Wordle. <laughs> I did it for like four days and I was like, mm, this ain't really it. it's scratching my itch. So, fair enough. uh, Anyway, Mike. uh, So, which uh, so which topic do you think I'm more interested in? The why we should believe the Bible or standing before God in judgment?
0: You're a systematic theologian guy, so I'm going to say the standing before God's judgment.
1: Man, you know me all too well. That is. I also think we did a show on the Bible, um, like on why we can trust the Bible. Yeah. So, so yeah. So let's, I guess, do that one first.
0: Sure. So, so I'll set up the question a bit, and I'll let you kind of take the first stab at it.
1: Well, shouldn't I set up the question? You're the you're no, the master of divinity.
0: No, I'm No, you're gonna be you're gonna be making curriculum.
1: This is well okay. working. So I'll be working. So with you're a gonna have
0: to you're gonna have to know like what resources and different things to answer this question. So, if you don't, so I think this is a good, good uh, way to help prepare you for your new job.
1: Uh, uh, that sounds like you're fine. Then you can take the other question. How about that? Boom. Done. Okay. I thought that was going to be a more difficult question. The Bible <laughs> question is easy <easier laughs> to me. <laughs> the other one's more nuanced. So, uh, all right. So, set up the question there, Yahoo.
0: <laughs> so, basically, this came down to a conversation that I had earlier, and this in, this individual, uh, it was just an awesome, awesome conversation. Uh, but basically, this individual believe has Christian background, and they believe that humanity is sinful. And but then they also said, you know, what is you know the authors of the Bible were sinful, so therefore. You know, you can pob- you can see in the Bible different areas, and he didn't give me any necessarily major specifics, but you can see where some of man's sinfulness could have made it in, whether it's like an agenda they're pushing or a thing that doesn't quite sit right. And so there are a lot of different ways you could come at this thing, but it, it just got me thinking, you know, how would the general Christian disciple answer that if they're sitting in someone's living room or over a cup of coffee and they say, well, you and I are sinful, I get that, but so are the biblical authors, so why can we trust what they're saying?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's easy. Uh, <laughs> which means for well, first, let me point you to what I think is a really good and helpful resource, so anybody who's watching, if you'd like a better understanding of these things, Why Trust the Bible by Greg Gilbert, uh, it's a 9 March book, it's very short, you could read it probably within just a couple of hours. It's very small, um, but it's really, really good. So um, I love the best presentation of why we can trust the Bible actually comes from uh, Vodi Uh from what I've seen. So I'm actually going to cite Vody and he actually has a video where he talks about this and unpacks this to an audience. So you can look it up. I believe it's called... Um, why we believe the Bible, something like that. But here's his quote. So he writes the, the Bible. um, Oh, Hey, Meredith just asked, do you have any recommendations for a 15 year old? Why can't, why we can trust the Bible. Boom. Yes. Yes. Uh, Why trust the Bible by Greg Gilbert. It is phenomenal. Um, And if you give me a minute, I'm probably finding some more books that I might have, but this one's by far the most successful. Um, Anyway, so, so Bauckham, uh says the Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report supernatural events that took place in the fulfillment of specific prophecies and claim that their writings are divine rather than human in origin. And someone, uh, the one who actually wrote this article that cites uh, Bauchum, um and I think they're writing about the video in question, the author says, Bauckham notes, and, and I recall this from the video, Bauckham notes that the Bible is made up of 66 different books written on three continents, right? So Asia, Africa, and Europe in three different languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic by more than 40 authors most of whom never met one another because they wrote over a period of 1,500 years. He also notes that the accuracy of historical events presented in the Bible is supported by the findings of more than 23,000 archaeological digs. So to me, you look at that and um, Keller, I was actually prior to to us coming on air, I was was listening to a Keller video in which he spoke um, to an audience at Google on the book he wrote back in 2016 called Making Sense of God. And he mentions that either the absence of belief in God or the presence of belief in God, um, most people think that they reason themselves out of the faith. uh, Or excuse me, they reason themselves away from believing in God. Whereas those who do believe in God, um, it's through faith now what um, and by f- in faith alone now we're not talking about justifications in, in salvation we're talking about just the belief system here. Um, what I think he points out really well in in that book because I've read it and in the in the video is that faith and reason uh, apply to both the person who does not believe in that there is a god and the one who does believe there is a god you, you end up, the Bible is full of reason. We often reason ourselves into the faith. Um, You know, like I look at the facts, like I try to look at things that are objective and not subjective. And I go and say, this makes the most sense to me. Even the times of greatest doubt. And I've had those times I go, yeah, but Jesus was raised from the dead and that's enough. And that's not just an act of, it is in a way an act of faith, but it's also reasoning from historical documents and historical eyewitnesses who are saying, this guy is not just a guy. He's the God man. And this is how we know by the many miracles he, he did and by his resurrection and ascension. Thousands of people witnessed Jesus on earth. And some of them, wrote what they witnessed on paper. And we believe that it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now we understand this from 2 Timothy 3 to 3.16 that says that all scripture is God-breathed. Um, and um, the, the careful exegete would note that that Paul has in there when he's writing to Timothy that that has in mind the Old Testament. But you can't neglect that that Paul commends Other authors in the New Testament to include uh, Peter. And Peter also commends the works of Paul, and they recognized each other's work as scripture. So um, we understand that the Bible is written by man and human personality comes out through the author, uh, but it is the Holy Spirit who inspires that person to record those things. Just, Just these facts alone, 40 different authors wrote 66 different books over the course of 1,500 years. That is amazing. And someone would be right to point out that we do not have the original autographs. And that's a term that we use um, to, to say that the actual pen to paper. So we don't currently have, now we don't know, we could stumble upon it. New things get uh, get discovered all the time. But uh, we don't have the original paper in which Paul wrote or luke wrote right we have copies and we have copies of copies of copies for some uh they suggest that we don't have the autographs therefore we can't really trust what's written there things could have changed and i think that's a reasonable question to ask however the the, the act of historical criticism okay and or, or excuse me um uh, uh textual criticism is comparing all the manuscripts that we have and when you do that it's 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 really a science you can see where any, where any inconsistencies might occur and why they might occur a lot of the uh, quote unquote mistakes that we have are things like that would be equivalent to a missing period or a missing comma or someone like wrote in the margin, they they forgot a verse and like put that verse back in there and they like, almost like drawing an arrow, you know, that's at least how I, I've explained it to my congregation. So uh, we can trust the Bible uh, because those who came before us trusted the Bible, those who came before them trusted the Bible. Um, and, and that comes down all the way from the people who wrote the Bible. Um, I think it's a very logical conclusion to make that the Bible is trustworthy. So, Anyway, do you have anything to add, Mr. Master of Divinity? No, n- no, that's,
0: that's thorough. Well done. Absolutely. So, but specifically, um, how would you answer? So basically, would you, would you say just simply that God preserved the sinful, the sinfulness of the human authors uh, or preserve the scriptures supernaturally from being affected by the sinfulness of the human authors.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. I think that would be accurate.
0: Yeah. That's what so. that's how I somewhat would uh, would answer that as well.
1: Yeah. 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 Um yeah, and I think like as soon as you start digging into textual criticism it is so fascinating. I'm so thankful mm-hmm. for those nerds. Like they are the type of people that would correct you and say, "No, it's a graphic novel, not a comic book." Um, they, like, they are hyper nerds. Like they play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, they, <laughs> uh, they play Magic the Gathering. Um, they play World of Warcraft. <laughs> they, uh, okay. S-
0: now, now you're now you're just being hurtful. Now you're just trying to hurt people's feelings. Okay, it was funny for a minute. Okay, now
1: you're just being have, mean. I'm not being. First off, <laughs> I play, did I ever tell you the time that I played Magic: The Gathering for like six months and I had to stop because I was addicted to it? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like it was probably three to six months. I forget how long. And um, like I would wake up in the middle of the night thinking about building a deck that could defeat this, like, like, like just the different mechanisms, and it was so interesting to me um and a friend of mine who was living with us got me into the game and i'm like because i used to make fun of people that play magic The Gathering. then he got me into it and i was like yo i'm leaning into this thing hard i don't even care what anybody thinks this thing's dope and it was super fun man um but i would like they have these things called fnm friday night magic and you would go to like the local nerd shop and like you would you would go in there and I will tell you, it was the worst smelling place ever. Like, I almost thought of like, hey, I should just donate the odor into these people. Um, but like, it was, it was also magical, not because of Magic the Gathering. And like, it was just, it was, it was fun to be there. But like, it's so interesting because like, I remember thinking back to high school and being like, man, this is where all the kids that got picked on in school, they congregate. And now I'm the kid getting beat up. Like I'm the one, like the, how the turns table, right? Yes. Um, it, it, it was, but it was, it was fun. It was really fun. And there were some really yeah. nice people, um, but I had to give it up because like it was consuming my life. So uh, yeah,
0: I, I've never played that or like Dungeons and Dragons, mostly of, not, not just because of the nerdery of it. And I would even argue that's nerdery is subjective. Uh, but, uh, ma- mainly because I've grew up in the generation that Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering was satanic, that it's a doorway for Satan to take you over almost like a Ouija board or, you know, a seance type of thing. Cause I remember yeah. growing up and, and hearing stories about guys that were playing Dungeons and Dragons and took it too far and actually killed people or whatever. Um. And I'm like, I've never
1: heard of that. Well, I never yeah. played D&D. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I,
0: and, and those are uh, different things, but they're, yeah, they're kind yeah. of in the same genre, you know, of the the, uh, the clientele, let's say, if you want to.
1: Well, D&D is like an immersive experience where you're actually like, you created a character and then you play that character. Yeah. Whereas Magic the Gathering is just like Pokemon cards. Yeah, it's, you know? it's a
0: grown up version of Pokemon, pretty much. Yeah
1: yeah and but I'll tell you, man, like I was watching tournaments, and I was doing all this like trying to, and I'm like, man, but then I just realized that like, I woke up and thought and I thought, yeah, seventeen year old self would beat you know twenty five year old self up real hard on this one, <laughs> <laughs> but like legit, I had you know I'm married, I got kids, and like I just didn't have time for it, and it was just getting in the like I'm spending my spare time looking up, oh the different mechanics and all. It was just too much, man, too much, too
0: much. See, see, that's the thing about you, Eric, and that I think we all benefit from and love about you is when you do something, you immerse yourself in it.
1: Oh, I throw myself in. Yeah. 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 It was also like the time that I played star Wars, the old Republic, which is a role-playing game or an MMORPG, a multi, I forget what it stands for, but it was a star Wars game on the computer and for about six months, I ate, lived, and breathed that. Um, loved it. Loved it. Um, it yeah, kind of like World of Warcraft, but with Star Wars. And it, wow, mm-hmm. oh, man. Still, thoughts of that game. It was it was awesome. But it consumed me. And, like, mm-hmm. I couldn't do it anymore. So, Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah that's basically why. That, I mean, outside of it's hard to keep up with the gaming technology for, like, a computer. But... I had to put stuff like Warcraft back behind me because you can easily just spend so much time in it.
1: But. Yeah, and they designed those games in that way to to keep you. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So, Mike the the next question, next question, what's the next question?
0: All right. So the the next question came up in a small group, our small group the other day, and. Basically, the, I, I can't remember the context or whatever, but the overall question is, all right, we're, our sins are forgiven in Jesus. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So why are we going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? And so I think Paul says it in Second Corinthians 15, but basically that we will all have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the good or bad we've done in the body. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, and there's other hints of it in other scriptures as well. I mean, we think of, um, you know, this one often will keep me awake. Um, You know, when James says not all of us will be, should be teachers because we will be judged with a greater strictness Mm -hmm. uh, type of belief. And so you might think, well, why am I going to be judged? Like, what's going to happen? I thought I was covered by the blood of Jesus.
1: So, Mm
0: -hmm. um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm interested, Mike, what did you, what did you tell your, uh, your small group?
0: I can't remember what I said, but basically uh. <laughs> that conversation jumped around a, a lot. Uh, but I kind of, I brought the question just now more than what it was on the small group. But um, basically what I said is that on the last day for the believer, not the unbeliever, uh, many you know will say that there's two judgment seats. There's for the unbeliever that sits before the bema seat, and you know basically it's the you know what, why should I let you into my kingdom? And if you say anything other than the blood of Jesus, you're out. But for the but for the Christian, um, you would I try to explain it's more of almost like a confirmation hearing. <laughs> Where you stand before the Lord and basically, you know, give an account for your life and the, the, those things that were not for his glory or, or sinful will be burned up. Um, and those things that are left behind give evidence to who you are in Christ.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's good, Mike. I, when I was looking at this, when I was like thinking about the question that you offered to me at seven o'clock this morning, I I looked at two passages. So I kind of like approached it a little bit differently than you. Mm -hmm. Um, I I wanted to look at, like, I looked up, okay, what passages specifically speak to this? And then kind of like looking at how that structured the context of it and all that. Um, So there are two, two things that that I found that I thought applied uh, largely to this. Um, One you already mentioned, which was second Corinthians, uh, which I'll get to here in a moment. But the first one I turned to was Romans 14. Yes. Um, And this is in light of like the, <clears throat> like on matters that aren't sinful, that aren't explicitly sinful, there's a measure of consciousness. Like we have a conscience and our conscience bears, like I can't do this or I can't do that. And it's one of the ways, like I remember reading a Bible study on this and I said, hey, some of you think like, like you shouldn't have alcohol, right? Like alcohol is sinful. Well, great. That's fine. And, and it, and it is likely sinful for you. Because you have that conviction. Your conscience is telling you you shouldn't have it. But you can't put that on somebody else who doesn't believe it's sinful. Now, we can agree that the Bible explicitly says that um, we shall not be drunkards. We should not be drunk. We should not be given into drunkenness. But nowhere does the scripture say that alcohol is forbidden. So this is an area that we need to be cognizant of and not be divisive on. Well, anyway, Paul writes about a similar situation in uh, Romans 14. And this is verse 10. He says, But why do you judge your brother or sister, or you? Why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, He's quoting Isaiah. As I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, and every tongue will give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So, um, we are responsible for our own actions, and we have to go before God um, on the day of judgment and give an account for all of, for what we did in our life. Now, he's not talking here about eternal security. He's not talking about um, your standing before the Lord in regards to salvation. He's talking about how you treated people, how you know the the how you've cared for people, and. And have you been judging people based on your own standard rather than God's standard? Because we see elsewhere, like there's this tension that we find in the new Testament that um, we need to be careful in the manner in which we judge and not just judge other people, but judge ourselves in, 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 in making judgment. And it should be according to the will and to, uh, in cor- according to the will of God and the will of God is revealed through the law of God. So, um, so that's important and we should be growing in it and, and all that. So, um, we will stand before God and have to give an account, um, but understand that um we're still covered by the blood of Jesus. And I think Second Corinthians um speaks to Second Corinthians five, not fi- I think you said fifteen. Um
0: yeah, okay. okay.
1: Yeah, so Paul writes uh in, in verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, um, I think this is Tom Schreiner that I'm going to quote. Let me just double check. Um, nope, it's Colin Cruz. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was Tom Schreiner. Um, he he says this in his commentary on the passage. He says, what then does Paul have in mind when he speaks of uh, receiving good or evil according to what a person has done in the body? He says, it is a recognition that God will evaluate the lives and ministries of his children and will reward those who have acted faithfully, while those who have not will suffer the loss of any reward. Um, We see in other places, Paul talks about crowns and and that kind of stuff. Um, First and foremost, the greatest reward we can have in heaven is Uh, jesus right so jesus is our eternal reward um in life with him for eternity and worship and joy and freedom Uh, but uh there is and we don't know specifically there are kinds of uh, rewards that are given to faithfulness in this life and additionally faithfulness is a gift from god that gives us um Uh, assurance of the faith we have in christ so um it's almost like this you can you can say something all you want but until you do something you haven't really actualized those beliefs so um you can say you believe the word of god but until you do the word of god you're really just kind of paying lip service so Mm -hmm. there's that yeah is there that sufficient, Mister Master of Div- Divinity?
0: <laughs> yeah, but you didn't take as long as I thought you would. So okay, so there's also this 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 thought process. So, you know, Sinclair Fer- Well, Sinclair Ferguson takes a different. Uh, you know, that at the end of the day, this question can really re- mess with people's assurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he, I like how he brings it back to it's all of grace. And so, yes, we're saved by grace initially, but also how we live out our lives and that final, you know, ver, you know, attestation to our, our life is grace as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so for example, you'd point to Philippians and work out your faith with fear and trembling for it is God who is at work within you, uh, type of deal. It's uh, spirit empowered obedience, let's say, mm-hmm. um, but there are some, and, and actually Billy Graham uh, on his website focuses more in this direction that that and there's actually quite a few people, a shocking number of people who put the weight in this direction, which I'm not quite sure you should put the weight in this direction, but maybe you can. It is more it's a judgment to base your rewards. You so know, so, gonna- so 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 for example, the the um uh At the end, on on that last day, we were seen of crown of grace, okay, or crown of of glory. And most people say, well, that's kind of where we are rewarded for our life, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, you know, enter into my rest and, and all that. And so there's this idea that as Christians, we live and then we are rewarded on the last day. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of people say, you know, oh, my mansion's going to be smaller than yours. We kind of joke about that type of stuff, you know, Christian jokes.
1: And Is so that really there's... a joke? Like, that's something that people actually say?
0: Yeah, like, yeah. Like, you know, Billy Graham's mansion's going to be bigger than mine because of all the good he did, type of thing. You know, that's kind of a. Ah, ha, ha. But anyway, um, okay. a lot of people will, will run to the, well, we're not sitting before the BEMA seat where we're judged in or out. Our judgment is before Christ on, you know, what will our crown look like or what will our reward be like in heaven? Mm-hmm. And I'm not entirely sure I, I, I go with that. I, I think the direction you went, the direction Sinclair Ferguson goes um, is more accurate. Not to say that we aren't rewarded on the last day, but um, no, I think you, you nailed it.
1: Okay. Thank you. <laughs> uh oh. interesting. Um okay, okay. Hmm. Um you know who's studying with uh, Sinclair Ferguson right now? Who? Dickford.
0: Of course he is.
1: Yeah, yeah, get away, yeah.
0: He just can't leave those Presbyterians alone.
1: So he uh he's with he he's doing a THM at Westminster. Mm-hmm. Um and Sinclair Ferguson is one of his um uh, one of his profs, hmm. so it's pretty neat. At least I think it's Sinclair Ferguson. Yeah, pretty sure it is. Cool, yeah. yeah. Um, why isn't
0: he on here flexing? Is he, uh, oh, he's, he's probably he's, he's probably doing. having like a Zoom meeting with Sinclair right now.
1: I was gonna say, have you seen the string bean arms? <laughs> say, he can flex, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, I hope he listens to this. I'm not gonna tell him I said that. I hope he. I'll know he listens to this if he comments. Um, yeah, I mean, dude, he's uh, he's he's great, man. Uh, Bigford. So pretty soon he he'll be uh he'll be one of our foremost theologians if he actually starts writing stuff. Uh, so that THM for Westminster—that's some serious stuff. I think he's talked about maybe doing a doctor of ministry there. But I mean, if you're a true theologian, do a PhD. You don't do a doctor of ministry. So. Right. Doctor of ministries are for like jocks. They're like for the cool people. PhDs is ripped in there to <laughs> but You got to play D and D pretty hard to get a PhD. Well, so. <laughs> oh, I didn't fit in with the PhD program, man. I want to give too many kids noogies. So <laughs> yeah.
0: the demon is the express express doctorate doctorate express.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's the easy one. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: And I say that knowing that I could never get even my demon.
1: Yes, you could, man. I'm telling you. Dude, so uh, I'm about to – I finished all the coursework for the first two classes in my demon. And so far, I think – so it's not all graded yet. But in one of the classes, I have a 95 and the other one, I have a 99. If I can get a 99 in the class, bro, I mean, you can do it. It's just, it's just hard work and perseverance. That's it. You
0: know, in all honesty, in all honesty, when it comes to whether it's demon or PhD work, I always have John Piper's words in the back of my head. One time, like either on an ask pastor John or some sort of interview he did, someone asked like, should a pastor get their PhD? And his answer basically was like, well, if you want to, but uh, he's like, but at the end of the day, um, you, you got to take consideration that you're going to be reading a lot of people you disagree with.
1: <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's and, really and is that,
0: is that really worth your time is, on, on, on a specific subject as well?
1: Like, yes. Because- yes. It is worth your If you're not, re- Mike, if you're not reading people you disagree with, you're not going to grow that you're oh, 100%. You can, absolutely. You can only grow so much if you read people you agree with, because all you're doing is you are, just going over again and again, the stuff that you already know or, or growing in that area, but with, with the same stream, but like, dude, in my, my uh, doctor of ministry classes, I've had to read like a wide swath of stuff, like way wide, like from different, but, but within
0: a certain wheelhouse, right. Within your area of study, and that's where he was what he was really getting at and which is where i kind of don't have the focus for it right now is um just taking a lot of time especially years if you're doing a full phd to read in one limited area very widely which is good but i just don't have that commitment level right now for something like that and you know you you never know maybe someday maybe someday
1: well, actually, I was having a conversation with someone the other day about this. Um, I'd be interested in a study in our denomination looking at um, what, like, if you look at a degree, like, education breakdown of pastors in our denomination, anecdotally, it seems that the generation of those between ages probably 28 to maybe 60 have more PhDs per capita than maybe the generation after that. Mm -hmm. Um, More, what did I say? More degree, like more advanced, more like master's degrees and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But it seems like the younger you get right now, um, except for maybe the folks who've been doing like the Antioch school, but those, those Mm -hmm. who have gone the more traditional route, um, we have a lot of master's degrees, a lot of master's degrees, which I think is great.
0: But Hey, you know, you know, um, Heath Keniston, right? Up in yeah. yeah. Congrats to him because he just graduated with his uh, Antioch degree. Yeah, uh, I, believe. Good, I saw an announcement. So congrats to him on that. But and, and Mark's comment is kind of where I'm at too, especially when it comes to PhD. I mean, uh, if you're going to be a teacher, a seminary, or, or an academic, let's say, the PhD is the way to go. Um, but I would even argue that, you know, in ministry, I mean, at least in the Adam Christian denomination, a degree is not going to further your career per se, especially when it comes to income. Like if you're getting a degree yeah. for anything other than personal growth, enrichment, glorifying God, but if you're looking at it to like get a better job or get a whatever, it's just not – at least in the Adam Christian denomination, it's just not going to – that's not why you do it.
1: No, not at all. No. Um which is, which is perfectly fine. Like, I don't think, sure. that, you know, like yeah. you, if you're just getting a degree because you think it'll, you know, make you more money as a pastor, then I think that that's a really poor reason. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've, I've chosen to get the degrees that I have because I'm genuinely interested in the topics. Mm-hmm. I enjoy school. Um, and I'm actually like, so I'm pursuing a doctorate of ministry mm-hmm. and I, like when, as we're planning a church, I'm going to be be making a fraction of what I make as a full-time pastor now. So like, if anything, this degree has put me on a trajectory to make far less money. It's not about the money. It's about the pursuit of knowledge, um, the ability to be mentored on a specific project, something that I can use um, to help others as well. So you have to figure out like not everybody should get a PhD. Not everyone should get a doctor Mm -hmm. in ministry. Um, I do think I, I genuinely do think it, it's good for a pastor to have a master's degree because I think the the level of depth you get in at the master's level versus the bachelor's level is different. I felt differently maybe 10 years ago. I don't think it's necessary, but I think it's beneficial. So that's, yep. the, that's the difference. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it helps you, I think, s- see a greater picture, but also it can also produce Um, I think you can produce jerks like people that are just have a lot of knowledge and and don't know how to apply it either. So,
0: (laughs) so, so mentioning jerks. So you and I, we've, we haven't really talked about this, but I texted it to you the other day. Uh You and I both follow a certain doctor, a fellowship guy in New York uh, who tweets often. And he, he, what did he do? but basically I was just totally taken off guard of how arrogant and jerkish he came off with, Oh, what was it? Um, so he, he posted something about like issues that you have with like between Orthodox Christian and this, that, and the other thing. And this guy just politely calmly said, Hey, if you ever want to do an interview with a, um, a Catholic, you know, I've got a name for you, meaning his name. <laughs> like I, he'd be willing to do it. And basically Anthony Bradley responded basically. So you obviously don't know me at all. I've been working closely with those born and raised Catholic for 22 years. I think I know who to bring on if I wanted but to, but thanks. And with that, I got to let you go all the best to you. Just, just his like level of like.
1: Well, the guy might've meant it as a joke too. Uh, yeah, you know, and I don't
0: think so, he gets humor. I'll be honest; I don't think Doctor Bradley gets humor from, or at least um, certain types of humor.
1: He is a fascinating academic to follow, though. He is—he's yeah, he really one of my is. favorite, if not my favorite, follow. I just joined his Patreon so I could listen to his recent interview with um, with Paul Maxwell, who uh, left the faith last year and it was great it was like 2 hours i listened to it on my way back from charlotte and it was heartbreaking it was really heartbreaking to listen to but um i love anthony bradley i think he's wonderful Me to listen too. to because he yep. he he draws from all kinds of academic disciplines and resources um but yeah like sometimes like i've been on the wrong end of anthony bradley before um and like it makes you feel like oh wow this guy really is a jerk but i wonder if he just like you said he doesn't get humor or well, it's funny like i've i've read him i have heard him talk about how he back in like the early 2000s was enemy number 1 for a lot of reformed guys mm-hmm. and he's reformed himself he's a pca guy um and like he was really attacked um by some probably fundamentalist reformed guys and there's some hurt there i imagine and there's some like okay he might expect oh, this guy's just a uh you know just coming after me because i'm black or because of this because i mean that happens too like he was he was sure he was he was attacked because of his blackness because
0: oh absolutely we all respond based on our experiences and wounds whether Mm -hmm. we realize it or not um but i think I think you're right in that. And I think also his take on humor is different. Cause I remember a few months ago, he tweeted something about, he watched Monty Python and didn't understand why people like Monty Python and the Holy grail. And he watched it with a bunch of white guys (laughs) and he's sitting there. He's like, all these white guys are laughing and I just didn't get it. And they just didn't, he just didn't get the humor. And so he kind of went, it was like just saying oftentimes, um, white people's humor is different than black people's humor like just in terms of, of that and I'm like you know what I think there's some in in mm-hmm. all of my interactions you know especially growing up that's true that's been true we do tend to have different senses of humor and approach humor at different ways mm-hmm. um, as well but I just uh, that that's what it made me think because I, I know I because I've actually seen a couple, couple times that you've interacted with them on Twitter um, as a, as a friend and I've always felt bad because I'm like he's kind of brushing you off.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's okay. Like, cause yeah, so Anthony but, Bradley, who am I? You know, what I mean, well, 100%. like 100. Yeah, and I don't take offense to that. Like, I, 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 you know, I brush people off on Facebook all the time. I'm like, hey, who's this person? You know, once you once you're in the big time mm-hmm. in your own circle. Yeah, Mike, that was supposed to be yeah. a joke.
0: I, I don't get you. you. You have uh you have. <laughs> Uh, elite academic humor that I just don't
1: understand. No, I never brush any, like I harden. Yeah. I don't think I brush anybody off. Like if, if someone's willing to engage me, I'm willing to engage in good faith until they show they're not engaging in good faith or like there've been times where I've thought, like, I think this person has issues that I can't resolve on Facebook. So I'm just not going to respond anymore.
0: Yeah. I usually, I usually respond and I don't do this often because I rarely post things that are necessarily things people want to engage with or whatever, but I just did actually just the other day, posted something on my Facebook and most people hated it, but that's fine. Um, what was it?
1: So I can go look at it. It.
0: It, was, it was, it was basically just like this guy railing against the idea of using um, identity of in Christ rather than union with Christ. And I, I think he brought up some good points on being careful of the subjectivity of identity. Um, okay. But anyway, I I remember that. Um, but one one thing that I don't really respond well to is just drive-by comments, <laughs> you know, without any helpfulness to them. Um, and so I'll often, uh, probably, you know, in many ways, sinfully, you know, respond just as snarkly to those, and I'll kind of brush them off in that way. But if if there's an actual substantive response, then I'll try to respond in in kind.
1: Yeah, and I think like. I've had great interactions with folks where I've had very substantive, like comments back and forth, which is to me is so great. I really enjoy that. But most of the time, that's not the case. And it's just exhausting. You just go, well, I'm not, just might as well not bother anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. with those, with those kinds of people. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I've always thought, you know, Bob Mayer um, who I think Mm -hmm. sometimes watches the show and, um, he and I have had some great dialogue over the last couple of years. Um, he's always—I've th- always found him to be thoughtful. Occasionally, I- I've thought of something gone okay, but man, I, I appreciate him, um, and I appreciate his. If he thinks you're—if he thinks you're commenting in good faith, he w- will respond in good faith. Yep. Those are the kind of people I like to jam with. So, Yep. yep. yeah. All right, Mike, 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 Mike.
0: It's not Wednesday, but it is Tuesday. That's all over the social media sphere.
1: So what does that have to do with anything? Cuz it's
0: two, 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 two. It's February 22nd, 2022. Two on a Tuesday. So it's Tuesday.
1: Wow. wow. Maybe today's the day Jesus is going to return.
0: As good as any. No, he's going to probably wait till two thousand two hundred, February 22nd of 2,222.
1: But what if that's not on a Tuesday?
0: Let's look it up. Is that on a Tuesday?
1: Uh, that's 200 years from now. <laughs> What's the day of the week 200 years from now? You know, it would be an interesting. Th- I wonder, uh, you know, Mike, I wonder what the, the geographical map will look like, like the political boundaries will look like. Two hundred years from now, like between countries and what?
0: Oh heck. man, nope, it's going to be a Friday.
1: Oh boo, man, such
0: a missed opportunity.
1: Wow, way to go! I don't know whose fault this is, but it's somebody's fault.
0: It's Greg's. Greg, the Gregorian calendar. It's Greg's fault.
1: <laughs> Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Greg? Why? <laughs> and, um, and
0: Erica's right. It's very English Anglo-Saxon way of looking at it. It only works in English.
1: Well, m- most people in North America are very ethnocentric, and therefore they think the world revolves around them. At that time, so it's always amazing to me when people are like, "Look at the signs of the times." You know, things have gotten so much worse in America. Blah blah blah. It's like. You know, things have been bad in other places in the world for so much longer. Like, I'm not discounting that Jesus is returning today or tomorrow. I hope. Why not today would Jesus return? Uh, however, it's not because things aren't going your way politically in the United States. I promise you that.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah. No, Um. so <clears throat> I've been following a little bit this guy, Dr. Michael Heiser um i do not advocate for him at all he i've got some know, of his books yeah well it's interesting he taught. he's like instead of when reading revelation stop opening <laughs> the newspaper and start opening the old testament that <laughs> mm-hmm. is basically what he says you know yeah. the old testament will help you interpret the Re- revelation <laughs> not modern day events
1: yeah i think mike heiser is an interesting fellow He's peculiar yeah. for sure. And he's in a peculiar realm. I have a guy in my church who um, big Mike Heiser fan mm-hmm. and has read like all his works. And he said, you know, one of the things he appreciated about Mike Heiser was he said at a conference he went to and whatnot, I said like, listen, there is no more abusive realm of theology than eschatology, than end time stuff, because, most people are writing just to sell books. Like they don't care about the content. They don't care about careful theology and exegesis. They're just trying to sell you books. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate his honesty in that, you know, like that's yeah. really cool. Um, and I probably disagree with him on a matter of issues. I don't know specifically which ones, cause I haven't studied him all that much, but I've listened to some of the stuff he's had to say. And I go, Hey, at least he's a nice guy. And I do believe he has Orthodox beliefs, uh, but he's, yep. you know, um, anyway. Yep,
0: yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Cool, man. Um, you got anything else before we head out?
0: No, I, I'm, 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 I'm good. How about you?
1: Yeah, I'm Gucci. <laughs>
0: I'm Gucci?
1: Yeah, man. Are <laughs> you not? Uh, is that like, not on...
0: is that like the word fleek?
1: man dude okay boomer you just don't know how to <laughs> no I don't, I don't know anything man i don't yeah. know anything um, <laughs> go you go hang out with your youth group for a while man uh... yeah all right all right <laughs> all right all right man well uh hey everybody thank you for joining us and watching um we will hopefully see you guys next week um we're supposed to have Luke on the show here, here in a little bit. We're yeah. not quite sure when, though. Yep. Right? I think that's the case.
0: Should we give them a preview so that, like, if they wanted to look into it, they could?
1: Yeah, yeah. So Luke wants to come on the show and tell us about a book that he just recently read that Mike and I have also read that Mike and I both appreciate and Luke hates. So that book is Gentle and Lowly by, uh, is it Dane or Gavin Orland? I can't remember.
0: Dane Orland, Dane Orland, which
1: is kind of a running joke on Twitter, um, that everyone confuses all the Orlands. So that I mean, that's kind of, and they comment on how people. That's yeah, that, a flex, man. That yeah. is a flex when you're like, yeah, yeah. So I'm not. So I'm not that Orland. I'm this Orland, and then it's like, ha ha ha. It happens all the time, and it's like, yeah, you guys are like a Christian empire of theological thought. Yeah so, cuz like, you
0: you've got like senior Ray Orland who I think is now passed. Then you've got Ray Orland No, he's
1: alive. Wait wait what? Wait, no, so, so Ray Orland has a dad named Ray Orland?
0: Yes. And like he's what? got all his books and then you've got Ray Orland Jr. and then Ray Orland Jr. and his wife had like Gavin and Dane and I think there is, might even be another I think one there's in three the Orland boys. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and for those who aren't like up on who the Ortlands are, think of like Billy Graham, mm-hmm. but a theologian instead of uh, uh, an evangelist. Yes. And, yep. 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 And it's kind of that level of dynasty. So, mm-hmm. uh,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Actually, I like, our. I'll, I like the Ortlands. Yeah, some some sector uh, sectors of our church. We, we read um, Tony Marita's book, like basically like church membership book, like why you should be part of a church. I can't remember the name of it, but in that he quotes an opening to one that Ray Ortland gave to one of like his church services about why the doors of their church are red because you're passing mm-hmm. through the blood of Christ. Um, and it's this whole thing and there's some people in our church and I think we might actually do this, that would like to take that, paint the doors of our church that come in like on a Sunday morning red and put a plaque that explains why they're red on the outside. Um, that's neat. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can,
1: uh,
0: Google it, um, and find it, but yeah.
1: So yeah, go pick up that book. It's awesome. It's won all kinds of awards. Um Gentle and moly by Ortland, and uh, you'll enjoy it unless
0: uh, yeah I think unless so. you yeah. right I'll save most of my because I do have a critique, but I'm not quite sure it's a critique because I think he does a good job balancing some things, but there's the temptation to think that he's dwelling too much in one direction
1: but it's been a couple of years like I read it when it first came out. Read- I might have to skim it. Uh, yeah, I, I would
0: recommend it. skim it, but it's a it's a good read. It's an easy read. The chapters are short. Um, uh, yeah. I'm trying to look for it. Is it what? low on your shelves?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so is it resting gently on the lower <laughs> parts of my shelf? <laughs> I don't believe so, but I don't know what it is. I got so many books, man.
0: It's do you need a do you need a picture? Like I can show you it and.
1: No, I know what it looks like. I know what it looks. Oh man,
0: this is what it looks like.
1: I know what it. Lo- I just said I know what it looks like. Golly, man, how do I?
0: I swear, most of those books on your shelf are like hollowed out for flasks.
1: <laughs> what do you think I just like <laughs> sitting here and drink whiskey all day? Um, no, no, they're not. I swear. <laughs> Um, And I got to start packing these up soon, man. Like a couple of people have asked me, like (laughs) Robin asked me how many boxes I need. And I said, probably like 20. And I swear she looked at me like, "Mm, that's not enough.
0: Yeah, no, it's not enough because if you, dude, you don't know how heavy those boxes are going to be also. I'm getting small boxes.
1: I'm getting small boxes because they are heavy. They are incredibly heavy.
0: That, That would stress me out having to move books in my library.
1: The most stressful part is going to be making sure I put them on the correct box so that it's easier for unpacking. So I can put them up now. I also have to get bookshelves. So if you live in the Worcester County area, um, in Massachusetts, I would, and you're interested in building me some bookshelves, um, let me know. I, I need to get some. So, um,
0: is, is there an I- IKEA near there?
1: Why? Why would I go to IKEA for bookshelves? Tell me that, Mike. Riddle me that, Batman. Why would I go to IKEA for? I don't. I want to be less stressful, not more stressful, man. I. So, what I might do is like I have to contact. Um, I get a couple of possible contractors that can. So, essentially, the basement is going to be my office. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna. Have you seen Ray Ortlund's office?
0: yes it's that's so what nice. i'm aiming for man that's oh, what i'm aiming so for. nice yeah so
1: i've got like a wood stove down there um and i have a couple of walls but i have no ceiling so um i want to put like drop ceilings in and probably run some more electrical outlets and stuff yeah. and some better the, lighting the
0: only office that's night might be nicer and it's a mite is rick warren's the, he's got like a that, hidden library yeah
1: it's a hidden library it's phenoc- it's so cool um yeah, man. I I'm not like a huge Rick Warren fan, but when I watched the video of Ed Stetzer like being shown around um, Warren's library, I'm like, this guy is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be oh. his friend. Yeah. I know, right? So, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna try and make a pretty dope office in the basement, and maybe I'll just have them create a uh, you know make some bookshelves for him. But I I don't know that I can like I can live out of boxes to like for like clothing and you know stuff that doesn't really matter. But like. My books, I need, I need ready access to my books. I was writing a paper last week and I just pulled two books that I remembered reading like four years ago that are on my bookshelf and pulled quotes out of them. Um, Cause I need, like, I need my books. So I don't know what I'm going to do. And I can't even find Gentle and Lowly. You, do you see it? Do you see them? <laughs> no, I
0: don't. I don't see it at all in the little bit that I see of your books.
1: Yeah, it's 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 not where it should be. That's the problem.
0: Look in the O's. It,
1: it, no, I no I. <laughs> so I have it. I have my library by by category. So like I have a systematic theology section. I have my heresy slash Advent Christian section. <laughs> um I have I have my Calvin section I have my Luther section I have a Puritan section I have my commentary section church history section so why um, isn't
0: why isn't your Calvin section in your systematic theology section
1: because I wanted to keep Calvin all together oh. that that's that's simply why um my wife
0: yeah. Erica wants to know if Luke stole your copy and burned it
1: <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> Wait, she had to text that she she wasn't ready to put that out in the comments.
0: Nope. No, um, I guess not.
1: <laughs> so, no, it might be on my bookshelf at home. Yeah. Okay. Did you
0: use it to balance a table?
1: No, it's too precious for that. It's a good book. I plan on re. I had planned on reading it again because it's so <laughs> encouraging and life giving.
0: He Jim he doesn't have a Wesley section um because he's not fully sanctified yet.
1: What no Wesley section. You know um Wesley's fascinating man and I want to read some some more Wesley. I've only read bits think, and pieces yeah. like you know how like you know how they have those readers versions like oh you can like I have a basic readings of Luther. Um first off, I highly recommend this book. Um it's the Martin Luther's basic theological writings. And it's excellent. And it smells phenomenal. And I love smelling books.
0: Um, what does the Kindle version smell like?
1: Uh, it's, I don't have, I don't, I don't use Kindle. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a great book to read, the just the basic, basic stuff of Martin Luther. Um, so I think I read something similar of, of Wesley, um, but not nearly as thick. So I listen, I'll, I know I'm a Calvinist and, and, I might be basic when it comes to that kind of stuff. Whatever. I I don't care. I love Calvin because I find Calvin to be incredibly devotional. Like he writes in a way, especially in the institutes and and, in some of his other writings, you can really sense his awe and wonder of God and how doing theology leads to worship. And I love that. And it's deeply biblical. Um, So yeah. Um That's why I love Cal. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't know what to tell you, Mike. I don't know what to tell you. You know what book you need to get, Mike?
0: Nope.
1: Wonderful Works of God.
0: Okay. Talk to me about that real real quick.
1: Uh, It's it's, uh, Bavinck. So it was a book that Bavinck wrote... um, so, there have been single volume versions of like con- condensing down his four volume systematic theology, reformed dogmatics. This is not that. This was actually a book that was written for the layperson in the church that explains um, systematic theology, but also it's deeply, I think, devotional. So, I think it's really good.
0: It's $50. Um, really?
1: I didn't spend Heart, $50 on it.
0: The unabridged. March twenty third, two thousand twenty. I'll add it to the cart and see if it goes down in price. But
1: it probably but will. I, I think. Where did I you check it out? That at?
0: it's the layman's version because I probably couldn't handle the non layman's version.
1: Uh, so the layman's version. So it's written in nineteenth century Dutch and it's translated into English. Um, it isn't an easy read uh, because of the flowery language and how he writes, but it's excellent. Um. But check Westminster bookstore because I got it, I think, for like twenty or twenty-five bucks. Cause I bought like a few copies and gave them out to people. Yeah. Anyway. I gotta get going, Mikey. Okay. Uh I love nerding out about books. Um I, I know you do. It's two twenty two PM. Oh, yeah. We
0: did it. We made it.
1: Yep. <laughs> uh i don't know what's gonna happen but yeah it's 2 22 p.m somewhere so all right well uh god bless you guys it was fun seeing you this or uh, we didn't really see you it was fun seeing you mike it was great to see thank you,
0: you. it's always yeah. wonderful to see you
1: yeah so i look forward to, to seeing you more um god bless you guys we'll see you next week